0: First message this afternoon is from Mr. David Hope. His message is entitled, The Called Ones of God Can Accept or Decline. David. Thank you, Mr. Cole. Good afternoon, everyone. Finally trying to come out of that deep freeze. Well, Oklahoma, we can get almost as cold as anyone. Almost, you know, I don't think we've got down below zero yet, have we, this year, but we can. But the good thing about it, compared to some places I've lived, it doesn't last all winter long like it does some places. I know when I lived in New Mexico, you know, it'd get cold in September, October, and you didn't wear short sleeves again until about May, end of May or so. We were in Michigan for a little while, and I bought snow tires before Thanksgiving. (laughs) But Oklahoma, you know, we'll get as cold as anyone, but, uh, you know, sooner or later, hang in there, and, and we'll be able to be for, you know, a week or so or a few days in their short-sleeved shirts again. I'm going to relate something I heard on radio last week. Uh, once in a while on, on Sundays, uh, I'll be in my office, and I'll have the radio on. I'll listen to, used to be Ron Dart, used to be on Then after that. Um... Stephen LeBlanc would be on, and I'd listen to him, Then after that, I was already in there and had office work going anyway, so I'd listen to the First Baptist Church preacher, and, and he's interesting to listen to, I, I, I gained something from him, but anyway, he made a, a comment about uh, the devil, came into services one time, he didn't say it was his services, but he came into services one time, and he sat down on the front row, and he just put his arm up on the pew out there, you know, kind of like Reggie does once in a while. Anyway, not not Reggie's, not the devil, but <laughs> anyway, we we give him a lot of a lot of flag. But anyway, uh, the devil and everybody just immediately got up and left. They knew who he was, and the one guy, an older guy, sitting there, and the and, uh, devil said, "Well, aren't you aren't you afraid of me?" He said, "No, I've been married to your sister for 30 years, <laughs> so you know, no no need to get upset." I don't bother anybody. I hope. I brought some some of my printing is, I, I've talked about here a while back. My printing and I, if I have to, I brought my cheater glasses t- to go on on that first page, or so I don't have to do that. But I'll have them handy. If I look kind of awkward, don't don't think it, don't let it take away from the message. But um, in my last message here a few weeks ago. Uh, I gave a, an awful, uh, several scriptures, a lot of scriptures that indicate that God is not trying with all of his might to save everyone at this time, and, uh, but, and not trying to save everybody at this time, and the majority of mankind really, God is not necessarily after, and because of his plan, he's only calling a few. And I mentioned those and scriptures that we've mentioned over the years. Uh, at this time, he's calling only a few at this time, not everyone, and inviting them to be a, a part of the first fruits. And it, and mentioned also, in the red scriptures, said said, God himself chooses and draws people to Jesus and gives those to Jesus, And Jesus said, and I will not lose any of them which you have given me except, you know, Judas. That's only one. Well, some people believe that the doctrine we teach about the calling, that there's no choice on the part of the individuals. I've had discussions with people, and they think because we talk about and we use our scriptures about being called and, and that uh, they, they assume, I think, because they refer us to some of the other people, like, and I think even the word Calvinist came up, you know, they have their certain doctrines and their certain way of looking at things. I don't really care who Calvinist is. <laughs> uh, if we have a, a, a particular uh, point of interest, a doctrine, a teaching that's similar to them, that doesn't mean that we adopt everything that they say. You know, we believe some things that the Baptists do, but we don't believe every single thing that the Baptists, nor do they believe us. And, but is, and, and they, they claim that, you know, it's an automatic shoe-in. If you take that of doctrine, that, that approach, it's just an automatic thing. They don't have a choice. You, you know, God calls them, and, and they don't have a choice. They're just automatically there, and the other people are automatically condemned forever. Was that what we teach? Is that what we teach that it's an automatic shoe in? If God calls certain individuals and, and gives them the opportunity right now to be part of the first fruits, do we teach that there is no choice? It's an automatic thing. And I've had several people comment to me, some in per and in, in person in discussions. Not not none of you, not any of you guys, uh, but there's there's other people that uh, you know throughout the churches. And I've even heard CDs, I've heard speeches and messages on that. And it seems to me that they're getting away from that idea. Uh, I even had one to even tell me that when God looks down, he sees that you're just so interested in his word, he's going to open your mind to it and he's going to bring you in and all that. But anyway, some people think that God is passive in his invitation. To accept Jesus Christ and does nothing to influence their actions or decisions. Is God passive in that? And I heard a preacher one time, and I mentioned to some of you that I used to go to Bible study on Wednesday night, where my father used to go to church before he died, and, and my older brother would go out there. And the preacher says, Well, you know, God's not going to make you do anything. And I I agree, you know, God's not going to make us do anything. But the way they would put it, God doesn't put any constraints on you to do anything. It's just open to anybody that wants to. And the person says, well, I just don't want to have any part of that. I'm not going to go that way. And God, being the gentleman he is, that's what the minister would say, which he was quoting... uh, what was Billy Graham's daughter or something, I don't know. But being the gentleman he is, he's not going to make you. Well, I agree, he won't make you. But today, I want to show that, uh, okay, today I want to show that the people of God do have a choice. The chosen ones, the ones called out, do have a choice, and we can lose out. It's not a shoe-in, it's not an automatic thing. And that God will work in a person's life just as most of us do as parents in the lives of our children. And that sometimes requires correction and sometimes even rewards and blessings. I'm going to present this in about three main sections one will be warnings, one will be corrections, and one will be benefits. And there are some overlaps, so if, if everything doesn't fit in a nice, neat category that uh, might, might be logical, well, there are overlaps. I'll start off with warnings. We're going to the first scripture I'm going to use is Hebrews, the second chapter, and verse 1. Yeah, already. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Hebrews 3, verses 12 through 15. Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God verse 13 but exhort one another daily while it is called today lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of or deceitfulness of sin and some of our men have talked about that uh, not long ago for we are made partakers of Christ if like little big two lettered word that Lawrence is always talking about and and, uh, I like that word now (laughs) for For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast until the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in a provocation. We'll go over to uh, 1 Corinthians tenth chapter and verse 12. Only one verse here. Wherefore, let him, think, or let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. So there's a warning here. It's a possibility that we can fall. And it's not intended to be a negative message, so don't get me wrong. Hebrews 10, verse 35 through 39. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which which has great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, and we've heard Jesus talk, and we've read about Jesus talking about a man puts his hand to the plow and looks back, he's not worthy, you know, we know that we can draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But if we are not of the, no, but we are not of them who draw back into perdition, but of them that believe into the saving of our soul. And while we're still over in Hebrew, Like I said, the other message, and a lot of times, a lot of of scriptures we can come to that we just don't have time to do. We just pick out a few here and there that we'll get the point across and and, uh, do our best to take them in context of what they really are and not try to fit something. Uh, Hebrews 6, verses 4 through 6. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift, and were made partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the good word of God, and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh, and put him to an open shame. So we're kind of getting uh, indication that there are some choices, and... Uh, that that last set of verses I read, sometimes uh, we give a message on that. I, it's not my intention now uh, about those falling away and have tasted. And it, uh, anyway, but uh, it, it's an interesting subject, and I'm not going to try to cover that right now. Um, we'll go over now to the Old Testament a little bit. Proverbs, third chapter. 11 and 12, and we'll get into a little bit of the category now of correction. And like I said, so many, many, many scriptures we can use and, and uh, I'm sure you think of some that I haven't even had down. Proverbs 3, verse 11. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. Not very passive, is it? For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, even as a father, the son whom he delights. Run over to Job five, verse seventeen and eighteen. Job five and verse seventeen. Behold, happy is the man whom God corrects. Therefore, despise not you the chastening of the Almighty. For he makes sore, he binds up, he wounds, and his hands make whole. So God can put you in a horrible situation, and he can bandage you up and put you up here. He can put you in another horrible situation, he can take care of you and bandage you and put you back together again. Out of love. Now back over to Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, verse 1 through 17. Wherefore seeing we, are, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that does so easily beset us and run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, For consider him that endured such contradiction to sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint. So another warning, we need to not be wearied and faint. In your mind, you have not resisted into blood, striving to sin. We heard that again just a week or so ago. And you have forgotten... Yeah, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks unto you as unto children. And we've had messages about being sons of God. We are, and the scripture said we are now the sons of God. It just doesn't appear what we're going to be. Remember the message? My son, despise not you the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you are rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loves and chastens and whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. And I've got a little insert here. I, I didn't ask uh, our people back in the um, video booth there whether they could do the uh, strong's words and, and put them up on the deal, so I wouldn't have to explain so much. I don't know if they do that. Rick says no, so uh, but so I'll have to. Bore you to death by explaining a little bit, and I and I did choose the, two of those words in here: chasten and scourge. And the word in uh, Hebrews twelve verse six, chasten and scourge. Chasten is if you, those of you that are familiar with the uh, Strong's uh, concordance and the Greek dictionary that it gives exp- explanation of that particular word. This is this comes from. Uh, uh, number 3811 and trying to pronounce these things is like I say it's Greek to me it is Greek uh, pay to do whatever it is just just look it up on your own it's from another New Testament word and I won't go into that because it takes takes a little more time and it's a little more strict than what the word we're saying here but but it's from that word so it has an offshoot from from 3618 but it means, you know, like a Webster Dictionary would tell you, but the Greek tells you, to train up a child, i.e., educate or by implication, discipline by punishment. Chasten can mean discipline by punishment. The loving gentleman God, the Bible says, will do that to his people the word scourge is from the New Testament Greek word and the strong's number 3146 and I'm just going to give a stab at that too mastigo from New Testament number 3148 which is two numbers off to flog and I could go into the other word you can do that on your own if you want to literally or figuratively, and it has some pretty drastic connotations, but it's pretty mild here, so, you know, flogging, you know, beating on them, slapping a little bit, some of them talked about hitting them, you know, <laughs> some other things, but this is not the intent here, that God will scourge and will even make it a little bit hard on us at times. Any of y'all had hard times? Have you had... Uh, I'm not saying every time you have a problem that God's trying to correct you, but the, the thing that we automatically want to do when, we, when things aren't going well, we automatically say, okay, I'll be on the safe side, let's err and see what we're doing. And if it's bad enough, if we're really suffering and we're not getting an answer, some of us sometimes will even choose to take a day or so and fast and pray and study on the situation. Sometimes fasting is one of the best things to do. Verse 7 of Hebrews. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. So when God gives us correction, we don't just turn around and walk away, but we deal with it. God deals with us as sons. For what son is he whom the father chastens not? That doesn't sound passive to me. Maybe it does to some. But if you be without chastisement whereof all are partakers, then you are bastards, and not sons. This is one time we can use some of these bigger than four lettered words, and not get in too much trouble for. If I call somebody that, you know, I can be in trouble, but the Bible said it. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence, shall we not much rather be Subject to the Father of Spirits and live. And how many of us have rebelled against our father? Sometimes our mother that have corrected us. Seemed like about the age 15 is is pretty bad for boys that want to rebel. You know, I, and I don't know if Matt ever did it or not. But uh, then your dad kicked the door off of a bedroom one time for something mm. you did. We've all had similar experiences. Mm. My dad one time tried to grab me by the hair, but I had a flat top, and he couldn't grab a hold of it really good, and he'd draw back his fist, and you know, his face was red, sweat was popping out, and if he'd ever hit me, you know, and I was about, you know, I think 14 at the time, but when I was 15, I had another example too, which, you know, like you guys, I'm very ashamed of some of the things I did uh, as a child, you know, and and, uh, maybe we got paybacks. (laughs) But anyway, but we all do that, and and God forgave us, and my father forgave me. Um, I read verse 8. Furthermore, we have had... Oh, I read that too, didn't I? I guess I should look up there. They told me a while back I could look on the deal and see. Is that the one I just read? Yeah. Okay, verse 10. For verily... No, for they, verily for a few days, chastened us after their own pleasure, but he, talking about God... For our own profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. So God's doing it for our good. You know, we never spank our kids or grounded them or whatever just for no good reason. Most of the time, we had an objective in mind. We wanted a lesson learned from them, and hopefully, if it's a serious thing, that they don't they don't repeat that. Verse eleven. Now no chastening for the present seems joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up your hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. So he's giving us little hints as we go, to things that we need to do. Verse 15, Looking diligently, not carelessly, not just half-haverly, but look, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up, trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. So just, just one little root of bitterness out of one of us can cause an awful lot of problems, and, and uh, the author is, is warning us about that. Verse 16, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright, For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. So none of us want to be in a situation where we really, really regret turning our back on God and not going after God. So many things. I think all of us out here have done things in our life we wished we could turn back, and change, about Proverbs 3 verse 11, I think this is the second time, but for some reason, my, uh, uh, in my notes, I didn't realize it until I'd already printed it off, already had it down twice, I won't read it again, Just, just like, uh, I mentioned last time I had one. It just kept coming up several times. And I couldn't delete it off the computer and I get put And I just finally said, I don't have time for this. Maybe God wants that read two or three times, you know. I think it was over about Noah or something rather, other. Uh, clean, unclean food. But anyway, uh, I left it in there. So I'm, uh, I'm going to read this anyway. I could uh, just pass over it, but I've, I've got time to do it. So uh, Proverbs 3, verse 11, I read a while ago. My son despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, even as a father, the son in whom he delights. So God loves every one of us. Every one of us. We wouldn't be here. And like I mentioned in a message, uh, it wasn't my thought, but it was from... uh, uh, Who's the person now that uh, wrote the book on uh, purpose-driven Christian? What's his name? A little louder. Rick Warren? Is that him? He made a comment in in an interview he had, and I mentioned it, I think, here, that, you know, you're either in a trial now, you're coming out of a trial, or you've just come out of a trial, or you're fixing to go into one. So if we're having a trial, uh, if everything are going good now, thank God for it, because possibly we'll be going back into another trial, and but we have plenty of uh, uh, ammunition and plenty of prayers on behalf of our brethren. Uh, okay. Um, Proverbs 13:24. And I'm going to read this, it'll, it'll be similar, but I, uh, one, uh, I wanted to use a revised standard on it because I like the, the last part of the verse. Proverbs 13:24. He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him dilige- is diligent to discipline him. So if we love our children, we're diligent about discipline. And I'm not telling you how what kind of discipline it is, uh, you know, whether, you know, your child, you know, the infraction and, and it should fit the thing. You don't just beat them with a ball bat, you know, because they uh, pushed their little sister down or something. But, you know, but we, we do discipline our children. God disciplines us. Psalms 94, and we'll get into some of the benefits. And like I said a while ago, so many scriptures we could use, and but... Uh, Uh, We want to save time for other people, too. Uh, Psalms 94 and verse 12. Blessed is the man whom you chasten, O Lord, and teach him out of your law. You know, it's such a blessing for us to know and understand some of the principles that we do. We have gotten out of a lot of trouble. You know, I I had a situation that's... Quite a while back now, but another person should have known I wouldn't do that. But you know, they they wanted me to uh, go in with them because they had some inside track on. Uh, well, the person not around, them over here. I don't think. But anyway, <laughs> uh, names have been changed to protect the innocent. <laughs> but anyway, uh, they, they thought I would needed to make some money. You know, I said, "Well, you know, here's here's how we can make some money. I've got I know where there's going to be some." Some, some dope being transferred. And we're going to go down there and we're going to take their dope and we're going to take their money. And they're not going to call the police. You know, it sounded good. He made it sound good. But I thought, there ain't no way I'm going to do any of that. Now, maybe maybe some years ago, maybe I would have done it. But, you know, the wisdom of God keeps me out of a lot of trouble. A lot of trouble. And I'm thankful that God has done that in my life and and, and I know in a lot of your lives and he's done it in a lot of our children's lives. We're very pleased that God, that's benefits. You know, it's not a hard thing uh, to to do the Ten Commandments. Nothing hard, uh, as far as I'm concerned, for God telling, you leave my wife alone, you know. You don't break into my house and steal from me. You don't do this. That's a good, positive law, I think. It's our blessing. And even last week, last Saturday night, uh, one of our next-door neighbors, uh, uh, somebody broke into their car and knocked the window out, you know, well, the poor person, you know, he didn't have that much money, and, and uh, now he had to go out and buy a new window and put in there, and they stole stuff out. But, uh, you know, if, if they believed in the, the, the law of not stealing, he wouldn't have had that happen. Psalms 119, verse 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now have I kept your word. Before, you know, we used to do a lot of things we don't allow ourselves to do now. Psalms 119, verse 71. It is good for me that I have been afflicted. We don't say that now, do we? But it's good that we've been afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. getting close to time. I had the other scriptures down if I needed it. Um, Some of them very good scriptures, but I'm just going to cut short here in a little bit. As we saw in my message here a few weeks ago, as I said a while ago, and I related uh, related to it, uh, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me. Draw him... And I will raise him up at the last day. That was part of the big part of the message I had here a few weeks ago. But as we saw today, we do have a choice. We can reject the offer or submit ourselves to God's loving and wise correction and be a part of the first resurrection. Let's choose life.